This episode brought to you by BRE Promotions. Whether you're just starting out or evolving your brand, BRE Promotions offers you expertly crafted disruptions that'll take you to the next level. BRE Promotions, we make your business shine. Visit us at brepromotions.com to schedule your free consultation. I'm Dan Shaw. I'm the Vortex Detective, and you're listening to Inside the Goblin Universe. Influences of environmental factors on one's stimulus. Use of both sensory data and prior knowledge to reach enlightenment. The doorway connecting body, mind, spirit, space, and time. These are the portals of perception. Hello again, folks, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Goblin Universe. I am one of your hosts. My name is Ronald Murphy. I'm Brian Bowden, the other host, and it's a great, great show. We're, we're starting a new era right here, Ron, right? I mean, we're, It is. It, it is. We're, we're going down another path, if you will. Yes. Um, we, we had a lot of discussion when we started doing the show again, and we wanted to change things up because not everything falls into certain you know one generic generic category so one of the things that we wanted to trust and and play around with is uh, something called you know how people perceive things and Mm -hmm. portals of perception came up and that is this is the first ever episode of uh, portals of perception on inside the goblin universe and how we view things and how we uh, perceive information um, you know, many times you'll see some one person will see an elephant and the other person will see not see the elephant. It's right. just, you know, we're just going to try to bring you um, interesting ways of looking and perceiving. Right. Yeah. It's not only about Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or the cryptids, you know, or UFOs. It, it's that gray area, that that in between area, that blur, if you will. Uh, I think on this show, we're going to uh, explore the liminal zones more than any other time in our, our, our uh, radio history. Right. And, you know, we just think it's different because too many people are getting stuck in this, 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 this funnel of paranormal. It's a what? It, it really rut, is, but, and yeah. you, you kind of can pull things out of everything you see. I mean, even, you know, for example, the Bigfoot Sasquatch, many people, you can have 10 people staring at the same piece of woods, three people are seeing this thing, and the other people are just seeing trees. So, again, it's how you perceive things. It's how you perceive life. It's how you can change your viewpoint and actually open your eyes to uh, more of a, a way of thinking and seeing. Um, we're not going to get too crazy spiritual, right. but it's in there. No, no, I, I think that's a very valid point. It not only changes your outlook, uh, but whenever your outlook changes, your health changes, and the world around you truly does change. I'm a big believer in the idea that thoughts can actually, um, you know, shift other people's thoughts, whether you know whether it's negative or positive. Um, and you know, one of the reasons why we decided to start this show today is with a guest that we have on. I mean, really, if you think about it, this show probably would not have taken off the ground for at least a couple more months. Uh, But when our next guest, uh, you know, whenever we found out that he was available to do an interview, we thought now was the time to have him as our premier guest on Inside the Goblin Universe's Portals of Perception. 
Yes, and I agree with you 100%. And when we made contact with him, I was ecstatic. And we'll go into why I was ecstatic before. Not because, not just because he's a great guy, but let's introduce, he's known as the Vortex Detective. That's he, a cool name, too. Yes, it is. A, I mean, come on. That, it'll, that's, it'll fit on a shirt. The Vortex Detective, yes. That's right. That's TV right. series, you know the you whole know lot. I, I would get a badge made. And whenever I would go to conferences and they asked me who I was, I'm the Vortex Detective, ladies. Right. So so we're going to introduce this gentleman. And you may have seen him on uh, a Decoded program. That's what I did for the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Shaw. Dan, welcome to Inside the Goblin Universe and the first episode of Portals of Perception. Thank you so much for having me. I'm it's, glad to be here. Oh, it's it was when I got uh, we we were exchanging an email, and when I got this, and I'm like, okay, I know, I'm like, I know this name. Where do I know this name from? And then I went to your website, um, which uh, you know, Vortex Maps, and I didn't get to Dan's show first, and I saw the episode you were on on Decoded, and I'm like, oh my god, he's the reason why I have this, folks. It's it, this lovely little thing is the golden vortex that was used on that episode. And we're going to put a link in here to Dan's website as well as to where this video is. And, you know, talk to Dan, maybe get him a couple of these, you know, you can pick a couple of them up through Dan. But Dan, welcome to the program. And I don't want to give away all the secrets, but how did you get involved and become a vortex detective or in this crazy field? Well, what you're asking for there is kind of the prequel of how I get involved (laughs) in the field. It's not really the question of vortexes, because I didn't get into vortexes uh, first. Uh, I didn't fall into a vortex and come out and decide that I'm going to, now I'm going to spend my life studying vortexes. Mm -hmm. But there was a sequence of events, and one of those events uh, did include a UFO turning on its lights for me. That's below the horizon, very close. Yeah, very front line here. He's had own. quite a few experiences on these things. I can't attribute that to a vortex per se, which for me, right. a vortex definition is a paranormal place, a place that enhances and contributes to psychic phenomena. Uh, right. So I can't attribute the UFO experience that I had to a vortex, but I can definitely point to it as being one of the seminal events in my life that led me down this path of uh, portals of perception, of seeing beyond uh, what was immediately visible, let's say. Always always kind of looking for that portal to open up again. Oh, uh, actually, look, no, looking for- no, no, let, me, let me stop you right there because I do <laughs> want to ask you a question about this. Whenever you saw the UFO, was it your intention to see such a thing? Not at all. Not at all. Although, well, I can't say it was consciously, but... Um, uh, I was, uh, had turned off all the lights. I was out in my backyard. Uh, I was uh, in my childhood home. I was, I was 14 years old or so. And I was uh, watching the night sky. And at that era, uh, you didn't see too many satellites crossing right. the night sky. So I was, I was watching the stars. And I was uh, watching for the occasional satellite. So I was, I was sky watching. But I wasn't necessarily, I didn't think I was looking for UFOs consciously. No, it was probably like a, a uh, credible vista yeah. that you have where you right. were less lighting, and you're like, wow, wow, right. look at this this amazing world that we have. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there <laughs> it is. You're like, oh, my God, my life's just changed. 
But, but you, you know what, Brian? What I, what I find so um, rather odd about this, and also um, there's a bit of synchronicity to this as well, too. Uh, we interviewed Chris Evers um, a couple years ago, and he had a story that falls in line almost exactly. Um, he was in his childhood home as well, just looking out the window, if you can remember, Brian. Yep. So it's something about this sense of, um, of place. Uh, whenever you talk about a vortex being, you know, one of these kind of paranormal, uh, you know, uh, portals, you know, or whatever, can a portal, in your opinion, be conjured? Uh, not in the typical, uh, you know, witchcraft way that you would think of, but can it be something that can be opened up with intention? Well, yes, and and yes, I, I would definitely agree to that. I'm there's <clears throat> my premise has uh, several parts. And uh, one is that uh, there's these places that have uh, some kind of an energy. Now, this energy, uh, I don't want to be too quick to define it as electromagnetic energy. That might be that's the first place I looked. I don't want to define it or limit it to electromagnetic energy. But there are places with some kind of an energy, maybe a more subtle psychic energy, I don't know. But there are places which... Uh, contribute to paranormal phenomenon. The veil between worlds is thin, the goblin universe, so to speak, right? So, but there's also this uh, idea of the man-made vortex, and hence the book that I wrote, which is called Stonehenge Gardening Tips, which talks about being uh, aware of the energies of the earth, just as we're aware of the subtle energy channels of the body, uh, the acupuncture meridians and points and such, in order to manipulate those or to work with those subtle energies, the way the energy moves, the channels of energy for our health and healing, our psychic opening, our uh, physical immortality and our ascension. Yeah, the, the, the sacred gardening, I, I read it uh, at one sitting. Uh, I recommend it to anybody out there. It's, it's just really it is, is a great read. It opens up your mind to these kind of things. Um, now, now um, in my opinion, I've always been a believer that the Earth is um, an organic living object. The, 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 the whole Gaia theory has been something that I've been espoused to since probably my mid-20s. Do you follow that same type of rationale as well? I go even farther than that in that I'm an alchemist. Okay. Uh, so that uh, I believe that everything is divine, conscious God. So there's not only are we conscious beings who are divine but even the stones are conscious and they are part of what is divine which is everything and of course the earth itself is a divine conscious organism also undergoing its own ascension process it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting way of looking at it. i mean how many alchemists do you meet in your lifetime and, and I don't mean that in, in, in you know, and it's, you know, we did, um, one of the things that blew me away, and this is a, a couple of episodes back, uh, the Hermunculus, um, was, I, I just was on YouTube and all of a sudden this thing came up and then I just started watching more. I'm like, these people are crazy, but this is a possibility. And, you know, yeah. so I'm not going to go, the, but the different alchemy is the fact that the earth and every living thing or every cell has some kind of energy. We're connected. Pretty much, am I am I on the right path with that that type of, of philosophy? Well, maybe I should have said I'm a student of alchemy. Right. Uh, I'm a teacher of alchemy. Uh, but uh, hey, I'm looking over a whole bunch of lead and base materials, man. Yeah. It it's 
for me, alchemy is broader than this, uh, the stereotypical idea of working with metals and, and turning lead into gold, but it's a broader thing. It's about our self-perfection, physical immortality, and our ascension, our expansion out into everything, our dropping of all physical limitations, and our completion as sentient beings, our, our ascension. So geoma uh, geomancy, for me, it's a subset of alchemy. So to answer your question then, uh, uh, I would state, I'd, I'd kick it up a notch, uh, what you said there, which is uh, we're, not, we're not separate. In fact, uh, let's take it to this point. Our energy field, our, our aura, you could say, is not separate from the physical energy field of the Earth, the geophysical field, and our energy field are one. It's not like a handshake relationship. It's a relationship of unity. Yeah. That's beautiful. And the world would be a lot different place if everybody thought that way, you know. And, and I think at the basis of every religion, no matter what you're talking about, whether it's Hindu or Muslim or even the philosophies of Buddhism, this interconnectivity is is really a hallmark of everything, isn't it? That that we are um, all we all came from this divine breath that was kind of blown out in this one, you know, miraculous instant, and we're all part of that that oneness, that being. It's, this is the, the, there's a mystic thread in every tradition, of course, and what we're talking about is mysticism and this direct connection to the divine. And for me, my path has been about the connection to place and how uh, every place has a unique energy to it, has a unique personality, character, and a unique uh, electromagnetic signature, I would even say, and since we're electromagnetic beings, by, by exposing ourselves to these fluctuating, varying electromagnetic fields, I believe that we're activating our, our chakra system. Uh, it's a kind of chakra activation. And that uh, as we move around from place to place, that we have, it has the potential to, to open up our psychic abilities uh, to, to heal us physically as well. And also... The reciprocal, also, uh, that we can heal the earth by our presence and, and by uh, ceremony and, uh, uh, well, love. Right. Beautiful way to look at it, my yep. friend. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I, and I hope you write that up pretty soon because I think that would really make a, <laughs> a, a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Um, but, uh, yeah, the idea about, you know, we are consumers, um, not by nature, but by culture, I think, more than anything. You know, we start building up walls. We see something as, you know, that we can use. Um, so, you know, all these great tracts of forests are gone. You know, if you look at the world as, you know, the rainforest is our lungs, you know, we're choking ourselves to death. And I think that we really need to come around and think that, you know, everything that we do negative to this planet, we are actually doing it negative to ourselves as well. And quick question uh, regarding uh, the, the book, The Stonehenge Gardening. Uh, one of the things I liked about it was, you gave some good background on on history and 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 electro, electromagnetic type of information, the science part of it. But then you also put another section in there to say this is how you could do it in your home. Now, one of the things about we're all, we'd all like to be better people, um, and we wish the world was a better place. Um, but you know what? I think it's the energy and the circus. Uh, you know, like the, the circus of life actually 
I was gonna, that's a great idea, circus of life. Um, but we have the positive ions and the negative ions. There's always a positive and a negative. It's the yin-yang, and it's balance. And as much as we, you know, there's a lot of people that want this utopian society. I got to be honest, I think it would be boring as hell. Um, if everybody was so nice to everybody, it was like part of, part of going to a higher plane and reaching a higher level is, is coming out of the norm some, most of the time. Um, if you want to look at it, when you, when you're, when you grow up, you know, you, your, your parents are always, they're smarter than you. And then you break through that ceiling and you accelerate past them. So what role does this positive and negative, and let's go with ions play in result, you know, in reference to, um, the Stonehenge area and how does that have an adverse effect on, you know, the other stone hinges or hinges that are around the area. Um, could they be batteries? Could they be, I've always said, and I'm, I'm going a little bit long, but Ron and I have had discussion after discussion. I believe these stone circles and chambers are portals or the equivalent of Grand Central Station. And recently I told Ron about it in, in the movie about Kid Knight or something like that. They actually use Stonehenge to transport from, from Stonehenge all the way you know, across the country. And it was a little bit campy, but I, I believe that these were places where you could do that. So if you can address some of that, I know it's a little bit deeper, <laughs> but um, that's one of the things that, that I was picking up. Okay. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Let me uh, unpack that just a little bit. <clears throat> I put together a little booklet called Stonehenge Gardening Tips, and I'd like to offer that to your listeners for free. Uh, if they will email me, uh, then I will uh, send them a free copy of Stonehenge Gardening Tips. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what, listeners, yeah. I'm telling you, people listening to this, watching this, do yourself a favor. What is that email? Oh, ask, A-S-K, ask at danshaw.com. Ask and you uh, shall receive. The, yep, and we're going to put that up. Oh, yep. thanks. Sure. As well. uh, the subtitles uh, explains better the intent of the book. Uh, using earth energies in your garden. So I'm using Stonehenge as kind of the prototypical uh, earth work, really. Right. Uh, it's true that the henge, the word henge, actually refers to the, the earthwork ring and ditch around the stone, and, and Stonehenge is just one uh, henge of thousands around the UK and Europe and, and, and no doubt around the world. And it's not even the most impressive one, but they do come in all sizes. These uh, essentially, it's a ring and ditch, but they're generally interrupted. In other words, it's not a complete circle. So we have this feature, which is this uh, henge. We have Stonehenge. And uh, the premise of the book is that these earthworks uh, manipulate the geophysical energies, the earth energies, the electromagnetism, etc., uh, and perhaps the more finer, subtle energies as well. And that uh, by understanding how to uh, work with these forces, that we can actually enhance the life force of cells, uh, living cells. Uh, our cells are animals and and of plants. So that's the the premise of Stonehenge Gardening Tips. So again, I'll send free copy to to any of your listeners who send me an email. So, so that's uh, for starts. And then, so to talk about uh, yin-yang, this is a kind of a beautiful example of what I was uh, referring to because we know 
this idea of duality or polarity it, uh, is across all mystic traditions. You can think of it as an alchemical principle where you have the yin and yang, these complementarities. And uh, so we can apply this in, in alchemy uh, and all its uh, various schools. Uh, so geomancy and geomancy, we see this as well. And uh, it, we see it in uh, optics and we see it in uh, electricity as well. And so the electricity makes a great analogy for what we see in the earth. Uh, where, where we find currents of energy, we often find energy flowing through uh, essentially two electrodes, uh, a, a positive electrode and a negative electrode. So on the landscape, we actually see let's say Mount Shasta, California, uh, which is a volcano, which in itself has certain specific electromagnetic properties we could go into. Uh, and then uh, we see nearby uh, another little cone, a cinder cone called Black Butte. And so on a psychic, you could say psychic or subtle energy level, or even a gross physical level, we might expect to see currents running between the yin and the yang, these two electrodes, Mount Shasta, and nearby Black Butte, both in the air and then at the ground level and then below the ground, there might be these currents of energy flowing between these polar complements. Does that, does that, do you want to ask a follow-up question on that? No, no, no that was great. I, I, I think it makes sense. Yeah, and, and now to, to bring this around, uh, we talked at the very intro, uh, we also talked about the, uh, the idea of ritual. And on these certain locations, like a place of Stonehenge or these other sites, we do have um, ancient traditions of, of human ritual in those cases. And um, on the, the unfortunate event as well, too, uh, but, but as it happens, uh, even with the uh, burning of uh, Notre Dame, that, too, would be considered one of these sacred sites that might possibly be located on this uh, particular land grid. Also true, also true. And uh, there was a third part to your question, actually, which I, I could get back to, which was this idea of uh, traveling along the lines. Mm -hmm. So it is right. true. It is, uh, of course, true that you can have a UFO sighting or a Bigfoot sighting, let's say, or ghosts uh, anywhere, anywhere. But I, I would argue that these occurrences, uh, these sightings are, are more likely at vortexes and along ley lines right and, and you're talking about naturally occurring see i i think that's really what i want to get out to our listeners and to our viewers we're talking about things that are actually based in principle in science like when we're, we're not making up some sort of fabrication right. like if you would look at places like i'm in western pennsylvania a lot of bigfoot sightings here a lot of ufo sightings that extend um into uh parts of uh ohio west virginia um, and then when we talk about, like, the Mothman, uh, this is all part of the Appalachian Plateau. You know, there's, there, we're talking about a very uh, geological area. And for some reason, really strange things happen along this area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, and one of the things that, that um, I, I, just, I just find fascinating about the vortexes, and, and when, you were, when you actually were on um, Decoded, Way back when they were doing a whole thing about Alaska and the missing, the many missing from Alaska, and what most people don't realize is, although how beautiful Alaska is, it is like almost like one gigantic vortex. Am I correct, correct to say that a majority of that state is just 
anything technically could happen because of the energy created from these vortexes in that area. Uh, I'm not going to attribute all the missing to that, but I'm talking about, you know, aircraft going down, um, Bermuda Triangle-esque type of effects. And when you have a vortex, there's a possibility of electromagnetic radiation and playing on, on, on electronics. So, I, I mean, one of the things that, that, and I love about this is because I want to know more about vortexes. I've read about them. I've, I've been to certain places. Um, how do you trans transition from the UFO alchemy to, you know, getting into the vortex? Where did that first, like, like, like pop up? Because I think our listeners would, would like to know that, like how the, you know, this is the breadcrumb trail right here. Because part of portals of perception is you start at one place and then the next thing you know, you're traveling down the proverbial rabbit hole and, but everything starts to make sense. You know, A equals B equals C equals D and it keeps going. So if you could take us down how you got to that that area and how you got to the mathematics of it too because it's very interesting in this book that you will get for free. I'm just going to point right there. Just send the email um, to Dan. He's going to send it to you. Um, he references one of my heroes, which is Nikola Tesla and 369 and how that plays a role in a lot of what we're doing here tonight, right? Okay. I know it's a lot, but I'm just saying, you know, if you can get into vortexes, <laughs> I'm sorry, time, Ron. Please. But <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, uh, I still want to back up. I want to back up actually all the way to, to uh, time travel along no the problem, line. No problem. No problem. Back up. Okay. So uh, you were mentioning uh, this movie. Uh, I think it's called Kid Night. Kid Night. Kid Night. I believe it's Kid yeah. Night or Night uh, Kid or the kid that would be king or something or King Night or. I don't remember the name. I'm going to look it up while we're oh, while we're doing this. It would be King, maybe. Anyway, it uh, would be King. I think that's it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because it it had that whole Arthurian legend. Yeah, like, yeah, I like it. Guinevere, you know, all that. Sure, other stuff. sure. Okay, so so uh, uh, where I was going with this was that uh, psychic abilities, uh, psychic uh, events can happen anywhere, of course, uh, but at these uh, certain points which seem to be geometric points around the Earth, yes, and the lines connecting them. That's, uh, in general, what we're talking about. We're talking about there's a planetary system we call the Earth grid, which is uh, highly geometric. There's other patterns and systems as well, besides, uh, for sure. But uh, at any of these energetic points, let's say, uh, these are excellent places for people to practice their psychic abilities. So that's just, uh, I want a seed I, I want to put out there. Okay, so uh, then uh, now in, in regards to Alaska, if I could say uh, anybody pick up a magnetic map of Alaska can see that the magnetic map of Alaska is uh, pretty impressive with everything going on there with one plate, the oceanic plate, subducting other under another, uh, Mount McKinley, of course, all the other volcanoes going on, that volcanic arc of, uh, arc of islands. Uh, uh, there's a lot of electromagnetic stuff going on. And again, I don't want to take away any of the mystery and reduce it and say, you know, it's not, I'm not going <laughs> to propose that vortexes are only electromagnetic because there's this uh, kind of miraculous, magical part about vortexes and about creating vortexes with our human intention as well. Uh, but there does seem to be something uh, to what you said about Alaska being essentially one huge vortex. And I, I hold that these vortexes, they're essentially everywhere in that, uh, I think of them as being 
an anomaly in the electromagnetic field of the Earth. Now, in our everyday life, we might not give a lot of attention to the electromagnetic field unless maybe there's a lightning storm or something. Uh, but uh, we exist in this dynamic, churning, uh, uh, electromagnetic sea, really, that's uh, impacting us every moment, whether we're conscious of it or not. We, as humans, do have the potential to sense these electromagnetic fields, I believe, because of the... Uh, uh, the, in our brains, in every cell, we have a minute amount of magnetite, which is right. a magnetic mineral. And also in our sinuses, or you could say in our third eye, we have a greater amount of magnetite. So there's this potential mechanism for humans to actually have magnetoreception or sense of magnetic fields. So these, where as we move across the Earth and over time, these magnetic fields are, uh, impact us their impact is fluctuating and essentially at the boundaries, let's say, as the field changes, we could say we tend to sense uh, how these energies, those of us who are sensitive to these energies, we can sense, or certainly if we can't sense it, we're still impacted by these energies surrounding us, these electromagnetic and other kinds of energies. Uh, so um, that... Uh, still doesn't quite bring us to, I think, the last part of your question, uh, which is kind of how I came along uh, all this way. And I can say with certainty that it has to do with kind of a divine intervention in my life and how this uh, gift of these, essentially these geomantic maps uh, came to me. Uh, actually, we're just there's a couple maps: the Earth Star Globe being one, and another which I call Earth Star North America. Now, these were just gifted to me. Uh, I didn't create them, but I published them, and that uh, uh, I became uh, a, a hub uh, for information uh, online at vortexmaps.com for right. one uh, about uh, visionary maps which the subject of visionary maps is, is actually somewhat broader than just vortex maps. Uh, I'm particularly interested in these maps that have a geometric component to them uh, that are showing uh, maybe triangles of various kinds, equilateral triangles, right. or maybe other kinds of triangles. Uh, maybe they're showing uh, circles or patterns of circles, such as uh, like overlapping circles like Vesica Pisces. Uh, maybe they are showing five or six-pointed stars, these geometric maps, but there's other kinds of visionary maps as well. There's maps that uh, are anthropomorphic maps, you could say, or, or zoomorphic maps, maps that where people are seeing faces uh, or human figures or animal figures in the landscape. Right. These are a different kind of visionary map which can, in, in a certain sense, I mean, it can be a, a very effective kind of magical geomantic tool in connecting to your place and working with the landscape. Uh, lines, there's essentially, ley lines are rifle straight lines of sacred points, uh, essentially. So there's, there's other kinds of visionary maps, uh, but I tend to focus on, on these, uh, these geometries of points. And we could go down that road, if you like, about why triangles... Well, definitely, because when we can't help but think of, when I think of vortexes, um, one story that comes to me is about this gentleman who is coming, he was traveling from the Bahamas uh, to Miami, and I believe it's an hour flight, and he, of course, he's going to hit 
Bermuda Triangle area there. And he radios in and says there's some kind of purple fog going on or something's going on here. And the next thing you know, he's in Miami. We're talking 15 minutes. He took, just took off from the Bahamas, was you know, traveling through, and in 15 minutes, he was landing at Miami Airport. It's, it's impossible to do. Well, let me rephrase it. To our current thought, it's impossible to do. But if you have a vortex, why not? And if the, you know, and as you state on your maps or these maps that you have on, on the on you know that you actually gave us one of those, um, these little triangular areas, these little spots, you know, uh, your map is. I wish I had it uh, present right now. It is filled with uh, triangles and 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 specific shapes um, for the the specific areas there. Does that triangle, like in Egypt, play a role in enhancing the vortex or maybe even just holding it enough to allow right. it, transportation? Yeah. Could it be considered sacred architecture or some sort of uh, symbol to say, here be portals? I'm sorry, could you just repeat that for me? I didn't quite catch it on Skype. Okay. So. Just, just that last bit. The, go the ahead. Bit. You. Right, what you were saying. Oh, oh, from what I said. I I, I was wondering if triangles acted as a sacred architecture or if it was some sort of a symbol that simply related to people around uh, that particular area that here be vortexes. Okay. Um, Okay, let's go go there for sure. So uh, uh, I think the incident that you're describing, Brian, is is, uh, you're describing Bruce Guernan. Uh, in his his experience flying, he had a uh, you would say a time slip. It was kind of the right. opposite of lost time, and that's a that's a, a very credible account. I, Bruce spells his last name I think G U E R N O N, where he actually uh, flew effectively. It sounds like through a vortex. He describes it very much as a spiraling tunnel, and yep. he talks about the purple fog, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a you know a very credible firsthand account. Um, he's he's accessible, humble guy. So that's a that's a great great testimonial for for the books for sure. I can't say that I've had that kind of experience at all. But uh, where you're thinking of a vortex, uh, certainly it's entirely possible from my standpoint that you can time travel or teleport because uh, from the standpoint of alchemy. Uh, there is no separation, none whatsoever, no separation, full stop. Any right. perception of separation uh, in space or time is, is just part of the illusion. So when we reach that kind of enlightened consciousness, then it's possible to see the past, future, change the past and future, travel there. And, and do you think, um, actually I had a conversation with somebody that said nothing's faster than the speed of light. And uh, he replied back, the speed of thought it is faster than the speed of light. How much does that play and that perception play on, on your experience or with vortexes? Um, I'm assuming it's just this area that is a collection of, and it could come ebb and flow of energies that create the vortex. They come and then they go away. Um, they dissipate. And then that's why, you know, you can't, it's, if, if we could track these things specifically, like the Bermuda Triangle as an example, 
I'm sure that if you had some of the um, weather apps out there, you'd see, oh, and, and, there, and there's a big vortex in the, in the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> area today, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a time-based thing where every 12 hours, every 54 minutes. <laughs> like, a, like a geyser right. or something. Yeah, you know. Well, an interesting point, does it happen by happenstance or does it need some sort of catalyst to open? Like, could a human being act as a catalyst if they're if they're if they're linked into a certain type of uh, magnetic wave? See, that's the thing that fascinates me. As I study the paranormal, I, I I say something like, you know, certain people seem to be a paranormal Wi-Fi, you know, hotspot. Things seem to be attracted to them. They go out. They see things all the time, whether it be ghosts or cryptids. And as I research more and more, I'm starting to come under the impression that we might be w- dealing with almost uh, synchronicity, that that things have to happen in conjunction with one another for these kind of things to occur and to open. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Let me uh, just back up again. You guys are pretty, you're, you're two-teaming me. <laughs> sorry, teaming sorry. Me. We'll uh, slow down. We'll uh, slow down, I, I wanna, promise. Well, you know, wanna, uh, as tag team wrestlers, that's what we yeah. used to do back tag in the day. Me, tag me in, so, Ron. Tag me in. <laughs> What's your stage names there? So, um, <laughs> so, But let's go back for just a moment to the triangles thing because uh, sure. that is kind of, uh, uh, I find it uh, an exciting uh, um, method of working with the energies, actually. So uh, we can use an acoustic analogy. Uh, in that if I were to take uh, three bells, let's say, and put them in an equilateral triangle and ring these bells at the same time, that might set up an interesting kind of a standing wave pattern. Uh, If you could visualize, if you could see these acoustic waves, uh, it would form a very regular or stable pattern. So uh, I use this analogy, this acoustic analogy of this stable waveform uh, for suggesting that these vortexes, uh, when they're arranged in equilateral triangles, let's say, it's almost as though they are broadcasting towers. And that uh, if you have two in a row, uh, let's say, well, any two are in a row, you might have a waveform which uh, can reinforce and cancel each other out and form interesting uh, uh, patterns, etc. But if you have three in an equilateral triangle, then you might have a more stable waveform. So I'll just kind of leave that there on the table for the moment. I want to make sure that I. I touched on that. But now to go further, uh, I loved what I love you guys. Uh, you're talking about these essentially like time-based triggers or synchronicity-based triggers or maybe human-caused triggers. So I would say a number right. of things in that regard. Okay, so uh, when we're looking at a vortex, if we think of a vortex as a spiral, then we're simply just looking at a cross-section of that vortex. But if we were to look at it in full glorious three dimensions, we might find that it is some kind of a toroidal structure. And we're just looking at like a cross-section of a torus or a donut shape. Okay, that's a possibility. It might be three-dimensional. Of course, it could be even more dimensions. And what we're actually seeing is like a shearing force of electromagnetic energy that's like shearing off like the jet stream of some fourth dimension. Right? So it may be that there's certain time-based cycles, like maybe it has to do with the, uh, the pattern of the moon as the moon orbits around the Earth. The actual center of mass of the Earth is orbiting around inside of the Earth. And so when you measure gravity in the X, Y, and Z axis, now you can see that throughout the day, the center of gravity is actually orbiting around inside of the Earth. So maybe that's involved somehow, right? But then uh, maybe it's Earth 
sun, moon, maybe there's other planets involved. Possibly these would be timing, as you're calling it. But think about these cross-sections now as they interact. You may have two that are interacting like cogs on a wheel where they're turning in counter-rotating motion where at the edges they're, they're turning, um, I'll say congruently or together, yeah? So, but right. you may have counter, you may have two counter-rotating where, where they come together, these two spiraling vortexes, uh, now if we're thinking of them in those terms, uh, if they're counter-rotating against each other, now you've got some very dynamic shear forces going on and now you bring in a human being who has their own electromagnetic field, it may, that may be enough to send them in a certain time, that may be enough to kind of send them through on a one-way trip. Yeah, you know, wh one of the, the things that I was thinking is that um, as we, as, as beings, um, are become more aware of it and the ability and can vibrate, believe it or not, vibrating yourself, vibrating at a higher frequency, um, I just think that we have the, the possibility, and there's my little phone phone numbers there, but we have a possibility of, um, you know, triggering these, the, what we need to trigger in this sequence um, to transport. Now, one of the things that was interesting is a, there's a fellow researcher, and she has her own show, and I'm going to introduce you to her down there, Cat Ward, and... Um, she had a guest on. He was doing his doctorate. He went to, you know, it was the last day. He, he All he had to do was hand in his paper. And he walked in. I think it was in Wisconsin. I'm not sure. He walked into the, the, the area where he had to go, this building, and got in the elevator. And everything was just, he was just happier than anything. I mean, he, he even stated, he goes, I've, I've never been this happy. It was awesome. I'm done. I'm finished. Here comes the real world. And when he went in there, he literally traveled in time. And he traveled back to time he saw, um, and he interacted with the beings that were there. Now, whether he was back in time, physical time, you know, like, like time, or actually a point that still exists, even though we're existing right now, he was there. He did get help to get out of there. But it was, he said it was one of the most unusual experiences of his life and how did how did that happen how was he able to open this portal and i said privately to cat i said this guy was unaware of the fact that because when you're happy and you just feel great you vibrate at a different frequency than anybody else and this this is what we're talking about portals of perception when you vibrate at different frequencies the abilities that you have the things you can do are probably limitless. Right. And, and, and let me scaffold of, off of you, if I could, for a second. What you can do is limitless. I do believe that. But think of a group coming together of the same mind, what they are yep. capable of doing. I just finished writing a book up uh, entitled On Fairies, which will be out pretty soon. And um, I looked at the acoustics of Stonehenge whenever I, whenever I wrote this. And, you know, the idea that if you would get chanting voices in there or e even the cadence of a drum, you could actually change the way people, you know, would, would respond to that. The, the, the feeling that one would get from this vibration could physically change somebody's physiology, you know, and, and way of thinking as well, too. Now, to move forward in time, we're talking about sacred spaces, you know, pagan, um, uh, pagan rituals were then built upon... Uh, you know, the, the Catholics would take over and then Christian uh, uh, sites would be put up. So when we think of these fantastic medieval and Gothic, uh, uh, you know, 
monasteries, basilicas, what have you, churches. Um, it seems to me that they are trying to mimic that same type of uh, acoustics that was known to the ancient world. Now, what is your feeling about that, Mr. Shaw? Well, I would agree. I would agree entirely that uh, our perfection, our perfection as physical beings, our physical immortality and our very ascension has everything to do literally with vibration and that we are, we're actually living light and that uh, as we, you know, my, my focus, as I've said, it's on vortexes, on these energetic spots on the earth uh, for the reason that for me, this is, it's a part of the study of, of alchemy. So I think we can uh, identify points in our neighborhood. Uh, people don't have to travel to distant places, but we can actually identify energetic points that are within a day's travel, an easy travel distance, where the energy is different from the surrounding area. You can identify these places. Sometimes it's a mountain peak. Sometimes it's a lake. Uh, often it's a park because the area has been uh, recognized for its natural splendor and been preserved in that way. Uh, maybe it's some kind of cultural site. But uh, I'd encourage uh, you and your listeners to, to visit these places with an awareness uh, and a possibility that the very energies of the earth there can actually physically affect our the vibrational frequency of our cells. You could say our chakras or our, uh, our subtle energy or our, our, our aura and that this is, can be part of a process, an actual chakra activation uh, towards opening up our psychic abilities and, and our, our physical perception, uh, perfection, excuse me, yeah, physical yeah. perception. Yeah. So uh, to uh, the sound, the acoustics inside of these sacred spaces, these resonant chambers have been very carefully constructed to harmonic frequencies. And as we, as we go about our day-to-day -day lives, we expose ourselves to all kinds of very incoherent, dissonant frequencies. So to be in these spaces, whether it's Stonehenge, which where the, the standing stones themselves, the inside of the stones, have a concave surface. So this would be an acoustic chamber, even though it's not enclosed. Right. Or maybe an ancient long barrow. These are acoustic chambers oh, where, right, right. where if you have smoke in the chamber and you play a drum, you can actually see... The, the, the smoke in the air will take on these wave, wave patterns. And then on the walls, very often there'll be uh, markings on the wall at these acoustic or resonant spaces in these long chambers. And then the cathedrals, of course, are similar and the same. They're essentially musically tuned spaces. So it is a shame when you bring in folding chairs or something like this. You should not right. hang ornaments on a harp string. Right. Yeah, but the yeah. the the uh, these cathedrals, for example, Chartres, uh, Notre Dame, these kinds of things, uh, they are on these energy lines. Every Sunday, uh, they are being activated with acoustic frequencies, and by being in those spaces, we can help harmonize and uh, make our our cells and our brainwaves more coherent. Right. 
Yeah. It, it, beautiful, beautiful way of looking at things. I had a professor uh, in graduate school. His name was uh, John Hansen, uh, out of the University of Toronto, but I think he has his PhD from the University of London. Uh, and he brought up a very, very interesting hypothesis. He said that the, um, the great cathedrals of Europe, um, if you look at them, were actually built to mimic sacred groves. He said, whenever you think of this great vaulting in the ceiling, if you would enter in, it would look almost as if you're being shaded by trees. And if you would go to the, the, the water fountains, the holy water fountains, it would look like you're visiting the sacred springs once again. So I think there's an interesting aspect to, to thinking that in order to really find ourselves, we have to return to nature as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, our human bodies and, and trees in particular... Uh, we function as antenna for receiving these vibratory frequencies, whether they're the frequencies of the earth or the frequencies of man-made electromagnetic pollution. We are, we're antenna. Based on our proportion, we receive certain waves. Each unique tree species is a certain beautiful fractal antenna uh, and, and receives a particular frequency. And by being in a grove of trees, let's say, we can absorb these beautiful frequencies of energy from the trees. And with the, the burning of the roof of the cathedral, uh, I find out that the, the roof was actually made of uh, giant oaks. Yep. And that these oaks yes, were ra- rare in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. the, the hard to replace, yes. But uh, you were actually still in a grove of oak. Well, right. They said about a thousand trees. So think about that. You were in a small forest that was uh, hanging over you. Absolutely beautiful whenever you think about it. And then if we think of the Judaic uh, tradition, we think about the cedars of Lebanon. We keep on coming back to the idea of the sacredness of, of life around us, something that we so soon forget, though. Right. And and one of the things that, that we also have to point out about both of this, if you're going on the Judaic side as well as the Christian side, as well as... In the natural side, where where all this comes from, um, the men that helped to build these cathedrals, these tabernacles, um, used all of this sacred geometry. They used all the sacred symbols and signs and and information that you were, that what you're talking about, I believe, Dan, in nature uh, about tones and how the trees resonate and where the sun is hitting. I mean. The, these are the, the stonemasons that put it together. They're not the Illuminati, they're masons. And <laughs> they put them all together and they were able to harness all this information decades, you know, well in advance of what, what people can even think of today. Um, and it's, it's I, I got to be honest, I'm thoroughly impressed when I see these cathedrals and, and what people were able to do and how they, how they noted to harness the trees or the wood or use the right wood um you you get specific with the um the ark of the covenant mm. where it's right. it's specific cupids by cupid it has to be covered in a specific way we don't <laughs> in, in this day and age i mean i think all that stuff would have come from china like oh no no the ark's coming next week it's coming on the right. ship from china <laughs> But, but, but they were doing God's work, right? So yeah. whenever you open your mind to the divine, very powerful things can happen. 
think of that, that, that's my take on it. That's my thing. I, I think one of the greatest keys to open up a vortex is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's one of the greatest things that you could possibly think of, and I think that can open up all kinds of doors of perception. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. I'll say this then: um, we're talking about the the let's say an oak tree being a very particular shape and vibrating at a very particular frequency, I'll say, of its own. But if you think about it, oak trees everywhere are all vibrating at the same frequency. And if you have a piece of quartz crystal, which is relatively pure and vibrates at a very precise kind of frequency, it's vibrating at the same frequency of quartz crystal everywhere on the Earth. And as antennas, ourselves, and as being created in the reflection of the divine and being an aspect and a a fragment of the divine. We're vibrating. We have the potential at least to vibrate at the divine frequency. And so hopefully what we're doing by, by loving, uh, we're, we're opening up our heart. We're opening up our chakras. We're allowing this divine energy to flow freely through our whole body, whether it's a bliss, joy energy or, uh, However, we experience it, um, the Kundalini energy. Uh, uh, when we when we have these these loving feelings, we're actually we, we have the potential to transform ourselves and the reality around us completely. And we have the potential, really, to uh, I want to say to complete the spiritual journey and to to merge with the divine. And so as we as we experience our connection to place, we can use that as a tool, really, for opening up uh, how we experience everything in the world around us, being kind of an erotic, uh, a tantric uh, love relationship with the place and everything around us. Quick question. Yeah, it's some sort of real intrinsic interaction. I, the imagery that you use, I mean, first of all, Having you as a guest, you really paint quite a picture, and I really appreciate that very much so. But I like the idea of this kind of intrinsic, um, very human emotions that you're talking about here to unleash the powers of the divine. I love that. I I love this uh, symbolism and illusion. I think that we could probably go all night with this, uh, Brian. Oh, you you know, this is all part of... um there's so much stuff that I, I want to talk to you about, and and we have these, these windows of like you know our own little vortex windows that we can use, um, and you know how how the pyramid. I mean, I, I go to Egypt, right? And I have I've yet to been there, but you know, there's reasons behind the shapes of these 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 temples, the great pyramids, and there's definitely some kind of energy being generated internally as well as externally, and there's an ebb and flow between, and it's just, um, it's it's kind of like having, and I'm going to get get into because I'll just show everybody right now again, the golden vortex. Um, I'm going to see if I can get a light on this too. So you want to go another half hour, okay. Yep, if it's yeah. all right with you. No, um, that, uh, um, let me, yeah. let me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to back you up a beep though sure before we go forward in that direction and i'm just going to say that uh when we visit a vortex when, when you visit an energetic place uh how do you what would you do to connect to that place and i would say take off your shoes walk barefoot if you possibly can connect 
physically to the ground right. in that sacred place. I would say, if it's possible, you could safely drink a little water from the place. You could maybe find a little bit of wild edibles, eat the wild edibles there. Breathe deeply, breathe in the electrical ions in the air. Uh, look at the colors around you, breathe in the colors around you. Uh, be in joy, uh, sing, dance, drum, do whatever kind of ceremony that, that you do at, uh, and uh, uh, be there in, in gratitude to the place. And uh, I'd say leave it cleaner than you found it. <laughs> and then I would say people sometimes ask me, what is the most powerful vortex in the world? And I sincerely believe that the most powerful vortex in the world is our own heart. Very interesting. That's, love it, love it, wow. love it. That is now, very, very interesting. Yeah. Now, I'd like to hit on a couple other high points sure. to, uh, to outline things you said. Uh, one you said was ebb and flow, and this is, I think, an important context uh, uh, concept uh, with regards to vortexes. Uh, we can think of Stonehenge, let's say, as kind of the, pro again, the prototypical kind of earthwork, but as a as um, a model uh, for earthworks in general. But we can think of Stonehenge as being a place where um, uh, perhaps acts like something of a filter to the chaotic energy surrounding it so that uh, inside of this circle, this hinge, this ring and ditch, uh, the energies there might be more coherent, having been kind of filtered out, uh, the energies inside the ring, having filtered out the chaotic energies outside of the ring. Uh, to start. So then uh, as the energy comes into the ring, the energy might collect and build up until such point as it does discharge. And this is very much like uh, how modern electronics work. Uh, so there's this uh, ebb and flow uh, as there is in all creation. Again, it's kind of a principle of, uh, you could say alchemy, but really of, of any kind of science is that there's this ebb and flow. There's uh, yin and yang, this uh, building up of energy and then dis charging and discharging. Yes, so that's a very beautiful, uh, uh, thanks for asking that question. So uh, and then um, furthermore, you, you allude to this idea that the shape of the pyramids is somehow involved in the energy. And it's important to, to, um, to understand that shape does have energy. Just as energy has shape, right. shape has energy. So um, by, again, uh, we can work with uh, we I'm running out, by the way. That's great, yeah. Shape has energy. I love that. I've never heard that before. I'm, I'm writing it down. Oh, oh nice, nice. Yeah. So, uh, so um, just as, uh, you know, the shape of the pyramid generates a certain kind of an energy, uh, the reverse is also true. Uh, you can work right. with shapes. You can work with shapes as a way to affect the energy of the Earth. You can, that's, uh, you know, kind of what we're doing. And when we're moving the rocks around, we're affecting the energy. So it's nice if we're aware of how, uh, uh, how we're influencing the energy. Again, if we're extracting minerals, uh, then we're doing damage to the natural energetic field of the Earth that we were totally dependent on and connected to. And again, we're only hurting ourselves. Uh, and if we think about like the symbolism of and, and black magic, such as the uh, uh, the pentagram, you know, the pentacle that's actually turned on it, you know, so that all nature is now in a chaotic state of being. I think that we're also tapping into a very ancient knowledge 
that um, you can do some pretty bad things if you want to as well, if enough negativity gets together as well. Well, again, it's the yin-yang, that there's always this uh, homeostasis, really, between the two interacting forces. Um, I'm working on a novel, uh, more or less, uh, working title, Paranormal Vortex, uh, about uh, this prequel, how I became the Vortex detective. And uh, when I sat down to write it, what I wrote was essentially all the mountain peaks. Like, yeah, this happened, this happened, all the mountain peaks. Now, going back and looking at it, I realized, well, now I've got to fill in the valleys. You know, we've got to have, right. if we want the peaks, we have to have the valleys. Right. You oh, know, um, some whether of it's it, drama or real life. Yeah, it's the peaks, the valleys, it's the EK machine, EKGs, you know, which is the tape where you have your, your extreme highs, extreme lows, the middle ground, and then when you go flatline, you're not here anymore. You're dead. Yes. So that, that's what life is. But um, yeah. And it's actually a great way to explain um, visually to somebody life. Um, but what I, what I was intrigued by, uh, getting back to the Vortex, I was actually very intrigued by Vortex when I first saw you. Um, I mentioned to you on, the, on a phone call that we had well before the show, um, near me in Purchase, New York, it's been told to me that there are Vortexes there. And it's specifically on the SUNY Purchase, uh, you know, uh, grounds uh, where the where State University uh, of New York and Purchase is. Now, that doesn't throw me uh, um, for any type of loop whatsoever because if you get to the New England area and, and New York and just north of there, I mean, they're even in the woods there. There are all these stone chambers. I, I've discussed this with Ron at one point. Oh, sure, um, sure. We had Linda Zimmerman on who did a great book on called Stone Chambers. Okay. And um, she attributes a lot of stuff to the Native Americans building them. And I differ. Um, and I'm going to differ. It's not a fight thing or not a right or wrong. And, and it, it's just a healthy debate. Um, each of these little chambers are more square than than um, any other type of shape, um, as opposed to pyramids. But there is such an energy when you walk into these places. One point, what we did was when we were investigating this one one spot um, to see what we can get from the vortexes that are reported there um, and that are supposedly seen there. My buddy goes out because he forgot his temperature gauge to you know check the the, the digital thermometer. So what we do is we use an app with um, singing bowls in it. And, I mean, it is about 12 different singing bowls. And each one of these resonates at a different frequency and a different note. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's actually very important. So here I am. I'm holding my, my phone with my FLIR on it. And I'm videotaping from the back of the room toward, out towards the entrance or a little bit to the right of the entrance. So you see some of the white light coming in through the flare. And then as I start playing around with the, the singing bowl and the, the, the tones start coming out, you start seeing what looks like a purple mist developing right in the center. And then it looks like a ring's coming. And at this point, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm acknowledging this and I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Something's going on here. And it's almost as if something was opened up. I'm not saying it was. I don't know for sure. I have yet to go through that, you know, you know, and experience a real portal opening in front of me. But um, what do you think about 
the areas just in North America is is one area that let's exclude um, uh, Canada and let's exclude Alaska because we know there's a vortex there. What areas are really vortex intense? Um, uh, is it like the New England area and maybe some part of the mid or are there too many to mention? Well, let me let me answer in this fashion. Um, <clears throat> vortexes are, to my mind, they're everywhere. We're talking about variations in the electromagnetic field, which is nowhere uniform. Okay? Now, if we look first to electromagnetic fields uh, and, and geophysical energies, let's say, uh, what we find is that uh, the Earth is made up of quartz crystal, uh, a lot of silicon. Uh, some places it's crystallized. Uh, now we have quartz. Now where we find uh, granitic rock, that often has quartz in it. What are the electromagnetic properties of quartz? Well, when quartz is under pressure, it gives off an electric charge. That's called piezoelectricity. So quartz is an electromagnetic material. Now, of course, under the ground, it is under pressure. Quartz is under pressure. So we have electrical currents. This is, and we have uh, minerals in the ground, uh, metals. We have moisture in the ground. So many different causes for having electrical currents running through the earth, measurable electrical currents. Now, when we come to these chambers, such as we find throughout North America, these built features, uh, including like balanced rock, where there's a massive rock sitting on some smaller rocks, okay? Yes, been there. Uh, where we, we, those, we find often that those are built at places where there's an electrical discontinuity in the soil beneath. In other words, two types of soil coming together beneath, and there's maybe there's a fault there, but two different types of soil coming together. So now these electrical currents reach a, essentially a discontinuity. Yes? So right. Balanced Rock is a good example where they found a monument uh, at a place where there's a natural uh, anomaly in the electromagnetic field. So now if the monuments are actually built of granitic rock and there's quartz in these rocks, and now there's an electrical property of the monument itself. Now if you apply pressure to the monument, and you can do this with sound, you can apply acoustic stimulation, or it could be heat from the sun. Now you get this uh, other uh, vibratory principle happening there, and that is one way to possibly open up these vortexes. Yeah, you know, it, it's very interesting. Um, most of these stone chambers that I was able to see, a lot of them are, are under, under the canopy. So um, I don't know what it was like when they were built. We mm -hmm. did have the same mm -hmm. chamber that we had this type of experience in. Um, if you go and you look using a UV light um, um, and you, or, or you know, night vision glasses, you'd be able to see the back of the wall and they would look like runic writing on it. Um, we have that as well. But I just find it interesting that these places seem to be covered. They seem to be, you know, uh, surrounded by earthworks or, or mounds of, you know, of, of physical earth. Whereas if you get out of the New England area and you get to a place that's near and dear to, I know, Ron's heart as well as mine, America's Stonehenge, then Mystery Hill in New Hampshire, it doesn't seem to be, which is odd, doesn't seem to be covered as much. Um, do you think there's a reason why that may be, play a little bit more of a uh, significant role in vortexes or strange oddities taking place versus like these little mini ones that are pockmarked across New England? 
All right. Now, you might have to ask me that question twice here, okay? Sure. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out uh, with, I think, answering part A first. Sure. No problem. And that is, um, where we have these stone chambers, there's essentially, we think of them as being of two types. Like balanced rocks, for example, that's all above ground. It's all exposed, right? Yes. But uh, the chambers that you're thinking of being, when you say below the canopy, uh, you're, you're meaning like below the forest floor. They're actually like covered with earth, right? They are covered with earth so at this point, the ones, yes. So today, the ones that we see covered and the ones that we see uncovered, I think very hard to determine how they were originally intended and how they were originally built. Were they covered over with time? Were they exposed by erosion? Hard to say. Is there really a difference between what's a long barrow and what's a coit or a menhir or uh, um, trilithons or whatever? A little hard to say, in my opinion. So that's, yeah. I, I think that's, that was part A of your question. That was part A of it. There is a part B of the question. Well, part B specifically when it goes to the Mystery Hills slash America Stonehenge, the significance of this rather large piece of property. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Oh, we did carbon dating. Well, the carbon dating actually goes back well further than they carbon dated. Um, but it seems like it, it's, I don't want to get alien-esque, but it's almost like a refueling stop for for. To, it's it's to be seen from well above where the, where people were seeing it. In well, my opinion, we might, have to that, give, we might have to give some of your listeners some context there because sure, um, uh, in New Hampshire, there's a spot which is called America's Stonehenge, which is in something of a ruinous state, having been quarried, um, but apparently um, a prehistoric, ancient, mysterious site of standing stones and etc. And one of the most outstanding sites in North America, certainly, and open as a tourist attraction as well. Right. Um, and uh, my kitties, I have to, uh, my kitties meowing, so I'm going to. It's all good. My kitties see. are sleeping. Or, or <laughs> that was the worst thing that could happen during this interview right there. Well, so, uh, the cat can get revenge at this point. Um, we've, we've had, actually, I was on an interview and one of the cats kept hitting a cabinet. And the cabinet kept going <laughs> like this. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, not a problem. This is this uh, is. Got to remember, I'm mic'd up. So, oh, I um, totally remember you're mic'd up. But this is one of the things that, that we we love about our show and what we can do. Um, casual Friday. It's it's ca it's a casual. It's as if we were. If yeah, we're everything is casual Friday. Yeah, you know, so, it's an intimate conversation between three friends just talking about some of these theories. I used to do this a lot with a lot of my friends in the UK, uh, but it involved pints of beer. Uh, this is less beer right now. It's only Wednesday. Uh, well, for this gentleman, it's fine. I'm going with the orange soda. Okay, uh, sorry to drink alone. Uh, so no, if we can go back to uh, ancient monuments in North America sure. now. Ancient monument is littered with massive monuments. Uh, you know, there's uh, Serpent Mound in Ohio and uh, Moundsville. <laughs> And uh, just uh, ancient monuments all over North America, but um, Cahokia is a huge we, place. We, we, you know, we had to come in and colonize and take over the continent, and we had to uh, destroy these artifacts that show that these civilizations were civilized, and that they we had to uh, think of them as savage and subhuman, so that we could come in and and take the land, right? And so, yep. uh, you know. Uh, uh, imperialism and and we 
we had to kind of ignore these uh, advanced ancient monuments in North America. But certainly they're, they're to be found everywhere. Uh, there's some very interesting ancient monuments in the vicinity, uh, in my vicinity, in the vicinity of Mount Shasta. Uh, are we still all together? Things are switching on my Skype. Nope. We're, uh, yes, we're having yes, we are, we are together. Okay. I, just had, I just had it on mute because I was being okay. asked a question from my, uh, my side stage over here. So oh, okay. I, I, uh, I took it off the, the uh, camera, but I'm going to let, let you continue to talk. I'm coming back on in, in one moment. I just didn't want to interrupt with the flow. That's all. Okay, I lost audio on you too, Ron, though. Ron probably Ron, went uh, mute. So Ron has to undo his mute button at this oh, yep. point. Yeah, just to give you just to give you a little bit of a warning, a heads up. It's approaching about nine thirty right now. Yep. So I I can probably go about ten more minutes, gentlemen. I know there's a lot more to cover, but then that will take us to about an hour and a half of this program. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a teacher in real life, and tomorrow is my last day before spring or before uh, before Easter break. So I am, uh, you know, I I got to get up at you know five thirty in the morning. So. That's my, my major caveat. Okay. But I, I mean, I do want to get into the idea of the stone, but we're going to have to do that another time because that brings up the whole idea of like the hag stone and the, uh, the adder stone and stuff like that, which I really want to cover on its own show if we could. Yes, so I mean, that would be as, fantastic. As, as we progress, um, let us try to um, wrap it up in like 10 minutes so we can have this as a very cohesive show. And then let's schedule another time when we can just simply talk about the uh, the, the the piece that has the hole through it, because that's ubiquitous in so many cultures around the world. Right. Okay, well, I'm I'm not sure I could fill sixty minutes about Hagstone, but we could definitely start there, touch on that, go from there. I, I well, think it's more we, than just Hagstone, though. I think what we're talking is, about yeah. is, you know, again, we're talking about North American sacred sites, and yeah. we're talking about. Um, again, we're going to go back to probably medicine wheels and why the significance of these locations um, and and maybe just go a little bit deeper into that as far as astronomical, um, metaphysical type of zones. I thinking, yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of just talking straight fairies. I was honestly going to thinking about that. Fairies are good the, too. I, because especially when we talk about in the alchemical sense, let's just let's just do a show about the idea of the perception of a fairy world, uh, you know, as it relates to underlying our own world. Wow. Okay. Well, again, uh, doors of perception is good. Uh, interdimensional gateways, cryptic creatures, etc. Uh, my focus, of course, very much on vortexes. So uh, fairies is definitely it's on it touches on. Um, <laughs> In that way, the Goblin Universe, etc. Um, uh, so I'm happy to come back for another oh, session. Dude. Look, I'll tell you what, Mr. Shaw, what you have been able to do right now in our hour has really been one of those things that is like mind altering. We had a, a gentleman on the show about a year and a half ago, and the show was very, very good. Um, it was probably a total of about three or four hours long. Um, it was quite a marathon. But you are enthusiastic in such a way that it becomes very, um, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it becomes quite addictive. So I think what we're going to do with, with this, if, if it's okay with both of you gentlemen, I think that what we have so far in this episode is the, like, the 101 in relation to um, 
talking about this world. So the next one, let's go, it, you know, one upper level class to the 201, and we'll get to more people that are interested in this. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to get a lot of questions and a lot of emails about you coming up, and that will set the stage for what people right. want us to ask. If that's all right with you, I don't, you know. Oh, my gosh. I'm just wondering, like, okay, yeah, and what's the next step now? How do I, uh, how do we, you know, we're going to get a link. We're going to post the link. We're going to, you know, tease the next episode. We're going to well, do a strong close. What we we'll do. reschedule for two weeks from today. Or what do you, how do you go? Um, what we, what we normally do is um, we can reschedule for a couple of weeks from today. That is not a problem whatsoever. We're not talking about months away. We want to, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of our. A lot of our viewers um, are—they encompass a, a wide variety of individual, and um, some people need a little bit more time to digest certain product, and some people are just get it. You know, it's—it's it's like life. Um, I know of plenty of, of of listeners of the show, some of our friends, and they—they they literally have discussions about our shows. Well after, and I find out about this, I'm like, oh, so you guys are actually listening to my program, um, not ridiculing me. So what I think we want to do is we want to, we're going to put this out and out, out into the ether, into, into uh, the social media zones and where we publish uh, on uh, insidethegoblinuniverse.podbean.com. Um, and we're going to propose this question that the people are listening here. You've just listened for an hour and a half, basically. Is there something that you just want to wrap your head around? Is there some other question you want to ask Dan to kind of go into details? Right. Um, again, let's go into the details about the vortexes and, right. and maybe how that plays. It's not only just the energy field, but what does that do to um, the sight line, you know, the visual energy, well, the, the audio see, energy? This is all good points. Now, Brian and I have not discussed this beforehand, but I think it will be all for it. <laughs> I would like to have you back as, um, uh, you know, as a, what would your feelings be regarding coming back for a show where you set in as one of our co-hosts as well? Brian, what do you think about that? I think, I, that, I think, that, that, yeah, I think that dynamic would be very, very interesting. I don't know if you've ever had any aspirations for uh, <laughs> podcasting and all the glory that comes with podcasting, but I would love to have you on here as part of our panel and just start picking some people's minds. Um, we're very lucky as a show to get very little negative feedback. I mean, there's a lot of internet trolls out oh, there. Now you did it. <laughs> and, and, and well, the thing is you'll get every now and then like saying this guy's a sham and stuff like that. But for the most part, we really have um, people that have open minds and I want that to continue going. I think that you have a way about you. That's uh, very much like the every man. Uh, except your wealth of knowledge is is, is is so vast and encyclopedic. But what I'd like to do is let's have him back for a show, Bri. Uh, and then after that, let's try to schedule another A-lister to come on there. And then he'll face a panel of the three of us. Uh-oh. It's like tag team. Now now it's become the battle royale. Let's that's get that right, roughly, right, wrestling but, reference yeah, going. I, I would love to turn the tables, so to speak, and interview sure. you two about Vortexes. It's one thing to come on and talk about what I what I think about Vortexes, but part of the way that I do my Vortex research is that I talk to folks like you, folks who uh, right. are in different places, have visited different places, have different psychic abilities, have different knowledge and experience, and so uh, I'd be honored to come back and be, uh, uh, you know, some kind of uh, panel co-host, be able to ask the questions and oh, step out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So I'll tell you what. It being at nine thirty, and um, Brian is a master of editing. Do you want to, Brian, at this point now, bring up what you had just said almost verbatim about you know <coughs> we've had and also I'm I, I don't know if it's allergies or what, but my voice is almost completely gone. It's um, Easter break. It, That's what it is, Ron. It's I think it's what it is, man. I think it was. <laughs> but there's only twenty days of school left, so I'll be having plenty of time to do right. this afterward. But is there any way that you had said, like, you know, look, we really opened up a few doors here. Um, we want to get our our listeners involved right? because we're planning on having uh, Mr. Shaw back again. Let's do it that way. Let's do a kind of cliffhanger close on this, if that's okay with you gentlemen. And then we'll just reschedule to have you come back and we'll do one in part two, one in part two. Right. And another thing I can suggest to you is what we can do is this. Anytime one of our, our listeners wants to ask a question of a guest or get in touch with you know us, it's questions at insidethegoblinuniverse.com or go to insidethegoblinuniverse.com and there's a sheet there where you can actually fill in what you want to you know, say uh, to us or ask or make a request or even ask uh, Dan Shaw uh, any questions. We can get that information. We can get that going. And then what a better idea is to... If it's all right with you, I have no problem about being interviewed. I'd love to be interviewed. And I, I, I you know, as they say, Val, Val Kilmer said, I'm your Huckleberry. I mean, I'll answer any questions um, to come back on. But we can do, I have the ability to do something where we can actually stream live to Facebook. Yeah, I like that idea too. Like. Oh, I'd love, to, I'd love to. That'd be my first. And then, okay. and then what we can do at this point is we can actually, let's try to promote this for a couple of weeks and get people on board because, you know, everybody has a busy life, especially the holidays that are around. It's almost, you know, the summer. So people's heads are, are starting to get out of the house and right. viewing these and right. listening to these things. Let's try to promote this. And then we'll do, we'll, we'll do a live stream. And we'll, yeah, this I, way I we like get people idea. come in and ask questions um, and see, it, you know. Fantastic. Fantastic. What, it's the same principle. It's just we'll just do it live yeah. and we'll stream it to Facebook. Yeah, well, let, let's do it that way. So if you, Brian, if you want to yes. say all that kind of stuff as a wrap-up, that would be great. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Will you Will you give me 60 seconds to uh, just uh, respond to your Golden Vortex thing? Because you kind of oh, teased yeah. it twice. Yes. I'll tease it. I'll tease it one more time for the upcoming show, if that's okay. No, definitely. Okay, all right. So do um, you want to give me a 3, 2, 1? Or... No, you just keep going. I'm just going to hold my right. Golden Vortex. Up. All right. So... Right so, uh, <laughs> ha, now I'd be surprised if you can't feel that actually. Uh, yeah, I'll get into that a little bit. The next, in yeah, the okay. next uh, so, roll. So I, before we, I know we have to close soon. Before we close, I just want to uh, make sure that I respond to you. You mentioned the golden vortex device, which is right. uh, a pendant uh, about the size of a half dollar uh, invented by my friend and co-author Nick Nelson, which I actually demonstrated on the History Channel on Brad Meltzer's Decoded on his episode about Devil's Triangle, Alaska. And what I showed is that that small device, which generally contains a couple of magnets in a certain pattern, that device, the Golden Vortex, uh, which purports to have healing effects, also creates a visual effect. There's actually a visual shrink and grow phenomenon that happens around that golden vortex. It's a portable vortex. It's like a portable mountaintop. And so I wanted to be sure and respond to that. We can go more into depth on that later. 
how could you possibly construct an artificial, let's, okay, let's say a man-made, man-made vortex out of magnets. Right. So I just want to want to throw that in there before we close. So uh, thanks very much, gentlemen, for having me on your show, for inviting me. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and I'll, I'll look forward to our next, our next chat. What do you have in mind? Well, I, I cannot wait. It's been an absolute pleasure for us to have you on the show, my friend. Yes, definitely. Um, the month of May is really crazy right now. Um, I have a, a, a niece's uh, graduation. I can't believe she's graduating. Uh, Ron and I are going to be both doing um, conferences. We're going to be doing the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Weekend. In um, what part of uh, PA is that again, Ron? Uh, Farmington, Pennsylvania. Farmington, PA for three days at the end of the month. And then come the 18th, we will be um, pretty much features there at the New Jersey Para Unity Expo um, over in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Um, so it, it's a crazy month, and then I think there's Mother's Day involved in there someplace. Yeah, and and, and I leave for uh, I, I leave for a conference to North Carolina tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Safe journeys. He's got to get uh, his drink on now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just hope I have a voice. Well, you know what? We'll we'll send you one of those you know sign language individuals to go. Send me vibrations, healing vibrations, my friend. Yes. If you don't do one of these, I'm going to be trolling you. Yes, so yes. <laughs> you gotta, you, <laughs> um, but you know what? We, I'm going to bring the vortex with us where, where we go so you can see it, Ron, and experience it. And then um, before we go, let's end it like this and we'll have, we'll have you back on. We'll do what we just said. Great, great. Where can everybody get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Where they, can they find your books and your products? Hmm. Because you have a, t a ton of things to, to promote. So uh, we want to get that promotion done. Dan. Thanks for asking. I will respond to all emails sent to ask, A-S-K, ask at danshaw.com. My website is vortexmaps.com. When your listeners email me, I'll be glad to send them a free copy of Stonehenge Gardening Tips, which is a downloadable ebook. And I've written a number of other books as well about vortexes, which you can see at vortexmaps.com. And part of the way that I do vortex research is by talking to people all over the world. So I'm delighted to hear from you. Excellent, well, my friend. That is awesome. We're going to post that up on our Facebook pages. We're going to add you to that as well, Inside the Goblin Universe, Portals of Perception. I've got, I, we're on everything. Um, it's, it's insane and it drives me nuts when I'm you know, going to do this but I can't thank you enough for coming on the broadcast and we're coming back we'll do that streaming thing as they yep. say bless you Namaste. a true gentleman sir a true gentleman yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and until next time I, I will be thinking of questions while we'll our viewers have a, a plethora of questions I'm quite sure especially after getting a hold of your book and uh, we'll, we'll do this again very soon yes thank you thanks all right Thanks for your service. Well, that's oh, it, folks. Thank you, my Hopefully, yep. Ron will not get abducted by Bigfoot this weekend. And we'll uh, <laughs> that's right. So I, th this program will actually go out after I am there. But uh, yes. the day before Easter, I will be at the uh, the, the first ever uh, uh, cryptozoological conference in uh, Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I'll be there with Ken Gearhart. Tell huh? yeah. Ken I said hello. He's one of the best out there. And you I know will. what? I want to wish everybody, no matter whether you're celebrating Easter or Passover, um, be safe, uh, be happy, enjoy, 
Um, be thankful. Good vibrations. Good vibrations. Yep. And send your vibrations out there. Carry that peace and love and all that other stuff with you. And uh, we can make a change. We can make a change. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, this edition of Inside the Goblin Universe's very first Portals of Perception with uh, Mr. Dan Shaw. It's been, a, it's been our pleasure, my friend. Right back at you. All right. We'll see you soon, my friend. Good night, everybody. Hey, this is Brian Bowden. I want to extend a deep thanks to Purple Planet. You guys rock. Hey, everyone. I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. Join me the last Sunday of every month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, and Paranormal Radio. If you're looking for a beautiful piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nodakian Studio. And also check her out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Nodakian Studios, where you can see updates as well as giveaways when they come available. Go check it out. There are spirits everywhere. Watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Somebody give me Brian Anderson.